Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Odyssey, in partnership with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, this is I'm Listening, Talk Away the Dark, a limited series. Today, David O'Leary hosts our intimate conversation on grief, loss, and suicide. Joined by Paul Augustiniak, who lost his wife to suicide, and AFSP Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Christine Moutier. This is I'm Listening from Odyssey. I'm David O'Leary for Odyssey. It is great to have you tuned in. You know, when we see someone who may be struggling, we often worry that saying the wrong thing or saying anything may make matters worse with that person. So very often we end up saying nothing. We're going to talk a little bit about reaching out and how to have that conversation with some friends from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Talk a little bit more about their campaign called Talk Away the Dark. Dr. Christine Moutier joins us. She is the uh, medical director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She knows firsthand the impact of suicide while in training early in her medical career at the University of California. She experienced a series of tragic losses which led her to her work in suicide prevention. Dr. Moutier, it's great to have you with us. Always great to join you, David, and really excited to have the conversation. We're also joined by Paul Augustiniak, who joins us from Tennessee. He lost his wife, Alice, his wife of over 30 years, just a few years ago, and has joined up with AFSP, not just as a volunteer, but as chair of the Tennessee chapter of the organization. And he also coordinates the Healings Conversation Program, which is a program of outreach, giving survivors of suicide loss the opportunity to speak with volunteers, others who have had similar loss. There's a tremendous power in that. We're going to find out a little bit more about that and more. Paul, nice to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. It is my pleasure and uh, happy to join the conversation today. Very happy to try to shed a little bit of light on this leading cause of death. And it is a leading cause of death. It's interesting. I've I've said this before, especially over the last couple of years, pandemic and whatnot. I think uh, individuals who never gave a thought to their mental health have been able to talk about mental health in a way, anxiety, depression, however you want to label it, in a way that they couldn't uh, until until very, very recently. Dr. Moutier, would you say that's the, the case we're all kind of willing to have this conversation, be a little more open to talking about it these days? Yeah, I think our culture is opening up tremendously around the topic of mental health. I think the work that we are here to talk about today, in a way, 
is really what does that mean for us in our daily lives, in our real relationships with family members, with colleagues, friends? When I'm asked, why is why does suicide remain such a um, tragic loss of life in our lives and in our nation, even while these attitudes are opening up and the culture is changing? I think the gap is still in what does it mean for our daily lives? What do we put into action um, in our daily lives as, as human beings, as individuals, but also in our workplaces and, you know, in, in all of the other platforms that we have? You know, I wonder if often when someone is uh, thinking about reaching out and they see someone who may be struggling or they are aware that someone has, has suffered a loss, uh, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Maybe that's what the, the, the motivating, that's, the, that's their overall sort of motivating them to to speak up or to not speak up. Paul, you lost uh, your wife, Alice, just a, a, a few years ago. And, and thank you for being willing to share your story and talk about it just a little bit. And wh- what was your experience after after losing Alice? Were, were people reaching out or did you sense, oh, I don't know what to say or how to how to approach, you know, how to approach Paul and, and, and I'll say the wrong thing. Where did it fall for you? It's difficult, I think, for people who have experienced uh, someone who has a suicide in their life, whether it's someone incredibly close to them, like, uh, like Alice for myself and our family, uh, or if it's you know, an extended relative, uh, just not knowing exactly what to say. I-, I will tell you, in my case, it took, it took a year maybe to, you know, certainly some months, to just come to grips with the word suicide. Is, that was a process. And, and I think for, for some folks, both on the receiving and then also on the sending end, it's, it's a little bit difficult. As I say, I think we've, I know personally, uh, I, I've grown to talk about and be able to talk about suicide more, to be able to talk about what happened to Alice, uh, what able to talk about what happened to our family. And, and just allowing people that space to come in is really important. But I think, again, in my experience personally, uh, it may have taken a long time for me to open up and be willing to uh, to create that kind of space as an individual. So not just people reaching out, but the people that they're reaching out to almost have to, I don't know, figure out how to hear that, right? How to, how to, how to be reached out to. I mean, is, that a, is that a fair statement? Probably a more elegant way to say it, but. No, I, I think, I think it is. I think you I think you're spot on, David. It's one of those where no one, no one, people don't know what to say. And then you don't know how to respond uh, because from a, from this trauma, you're, you know, we're still processing, we're still figuring it out. We we're still, you know, in, in this healing mode and, and, even before we get there, we're still figuring out well what happened and 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 how and why and uh, so that's you know it's very complex. Part of what we do at AFSP is we let people know that there is there's community, there's support. It's a safe place to be able to talk about your experience, one's experience, one's family's experience, and uh, that's that's I think very helpful and it's certainly been very healing for me. Christine, can you talk about the, um, it, it sounds very isolating where you're at this point where people don't know what to say or how to bring it up, or they're just afraid to, for, w- again, whatever the, the reason is, it, it does sound 
it does sound like a, a very isolated and alone place to be, and 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 probably not medically speaking, not a not a great place to be. Here's one way that I would look at it. So let's say let's say I'm Paul's neighbor um, or colleague at work, and I know that he's just lost his spouse to suicide. If I don't understand that suicide is a complex health outcome, like other complicated health outcomes and other causes of death, if I don't know that, then I get kind of stuck in, I don't know what's okay to say. You know, um, I, I stay shrouded in that state of silence and fear. And keeping that frame on it and understanding that it's the majority of people who've actually experienced um, something personally related to either loss, suicide loss, or lived experience. I think that would help me then as Paul's neighbor to say, okay, if his wife had died of cancer or some other health condition, I would be, like you said, Paul, jumping in the boat. I would be coming close to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Alice was such an amazing person. We want to help you. Can we walk your dog? Can we go shopping? Can we bring you food? We're around. We're your community. We support you. Um, and I think more and more suicide loss survivors are experiencing that as this level of understanding is getting infused from science into you know all of our knowledge and way of understanding mental health and suicide through the health lens. Then we can behave in the caring and normal ways that we know how to behave at a time of loss and grief. The campaign is called Talk Away the Dark, and the, the name of it really says it all. If someone is in a dark place, is struggling, the campaign is designed to give a sort of insight into how to have these these caring conversations. And it can be tough to, to get the ball rolling, but how to have the conversation with a loved one about their mental health and suicide prevention. Um, and these open and honest conversations demonstrate the importance as you spoke of, uh, Christine, the importance of really talking directly about it, using that word, and, and showing that these conversations can help save lives, to help give hope and, and prevent suicide. And, and David, if I if I may, uh, I want to leverage and, and dovetail something that uh, that Christine had talked about before I became a volunteer for AFSP. Suicide was you know, was out there, and uh, we knew that. And, and as Christine has noted, I mean, the data show 55% of you know, Americans you know, have been touched by suicide somehow. I didn't realize how prevalent it was from an anecdotal standpoint until I started volunteering for AFSP, tabling at events, being out in the public, doing and participating in our, our loss and healing programs, whether they be walks or whether they be healing conversations where we'd be at a ball game. We'd have an AFSP table up and you know, some folks would stream by, of course, but, but others would, would lean in and others would, would say, I lost my uncle. I lost my granddad. I lost my partner. And I began to understand that more and more people, this, it, it was, it is, the analogy I'll make is if, if when you buy, when someone buys a new car, and, and now you're hyper-focused on the fact that every, so many other people have my car. I, I liken it to that when, when I think about uh, my experience as a volunteer here and, and, and listening to people and, and being available to them and, and presenting as AFSP. 
I think that's a great point, Paul. And I, I think, you know, as a species, we, we, we want to know that we're not the only one, right? Whether there are others like us, our people. And, and, and if that's the type of car you drive, or if that's having struggled or losing someone to suicide, you want to be among people who under, understand that. And I think, uh, I think you're spot on. I think once you're sort of in that club, you realize how many other people are in that club as well. They're just waiting for an opportunity to, to, to connect with you about it. I agree, and I think you've hit on a word that that resonates with me, and that's connection. Having the community of lost survivors has you know been incredibly helpful for me. It's been incredibly helpful for our family to know that we're not alone. You know, I I, I attended a you know a loss a group for lost survivors that's done by one of our community organizations here in Nashville, and everybody that walks in the door knows why they're there. And, and everyone that sits down at the chair knows why they're there. And the first step for me was the most difficult. And, and I would urge people who are out there who, who, have, who are lost survivors to, uh, to reach out to us, certainly at AFSP, where the Healing Conversations Program, for example, is, is this community of volunteers who are lost survivors who have had a similar loss. And, and we connect those folks up one-to-one. It's, it's a part of the role that I, I relish because we're able to help someone else start their healing process, start their journey. And you know, the outcome of these calls is, is generally we want to point that person to additional resources, whether they're on our website or whether they're groups or, or articles or more books. Uh, I, I got great comfort out of a couple of books that I read. So it, to let people know that they're not alone in this, I, I think is, is incredibly important. I want to note that as you're, as you're listening, uh, if you are struggling or you're caring for someone or know someone who is struggling with depression or anxiety, help is there. Help is always there. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just dial 988. And as you noted, Paul, AFSP is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's a national organization with chapters in all 50 states across the country. You can find out more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, a national organization with chapters in all 50 states. There are resources. There are tools. There is all kinds of information, whether you are struggling or caring for someone who is. Go to AFSP.org. There are warning signs that you can learn a little bit more about um, that will sort of uh, attend so much of what we've been talking about here. You can also find out more about Talk Away the Dark, and that is talkawaythedark.afsp.org. Org for a little bit more. I want to thank you both for being so generous with sharing your, your, your personal stories and, and, and expertise and insights into this really, really important topic. It's, it's, it's a topic that often hides in the shadows, as we've discussed. And all too often, it, you know, by going unaddressed, it, it, even when we know someone is struggling, it, uh, the, the right thing to do is to step up have the conversation, start the conversation, even if you don't have the answers, because you really can um, save a life and improve the quality of, of so many others. So Dr. Christine Moutier and Paul Agostiniak, thank you both for being with us on I'm Listening. Thanks so much, David and, and Paul. Always great to speak with you. Thank you very much, Christine. And, and David, thank you for the opportunity to allow us to show the other things that AFSP can do for uh, folks that are new loss survivors. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening.
Thanks for being here. For the full show and more stories like this, download the I'm Listening podcast on the Odyssey app. This is I'm Listening from Odyssey. I'm David O'Leary for Odyssey. It is great to have you tuned in. You know, when we see someone who may be struggling, we often worry that saying the wrong thing or saying anything may make matters worse with that person. So very often we end up saying nothing. Even though reaching out and and just those few kind words can make a world of difference in kind of connecting to someone to help or support someone who may be struggling or experiencing a, a suicide loss. We're going to talk a little bit about reaching out and how to have that conversation with some friends from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Talk a little bit more about their campaign called Talk Away the Dark. Dr. Christine Moutier joins us. She is the medical director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She knows firsthand the impact of suicide while in training early in her medical career at the University of California. She experienced a series of tragic losses which led her to her work in suicide prevention. Dr. Moutier, it's great to have you with us. Always great to join you, David, and really excited to have the conversation. We're also joined by Paul Augustiniak, who joins us from Tennessee. He lost his wife, Alice, as chair of the Tennessee chapter of the organization, and he also coordinates the Healings Conversation Program, which is a program of outreach giving survivors of suicide loss the opportunity to speak with volunteers, others who have had similar loss. There's a tremendous power in that. We're going to find out a little bit more about that and more. Paul, nice to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. It is my pleasure and uh, happy to join the conversation today. I want to note that as you're you're listening, uh, if you are struggling or you're caring for someone or know someone who is struggling with depression or anxiety, help is there. Help is always there. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just dial 988. And as you noted, Paul, AFSP is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's a national organization with chapters in all 50 states across the country. Christine, I wonder if you could tell us how, how this conversation that we're going to have, that we're going to reach out to someone that we're, that we're concerned about, how does that start? To your question about If you are wondering if maybe someone in your life is struggling, you're noticing a couple things like they just may not seem like themselves, um, or maybe you know that they've just gone through something, I just reach out to them. I ask if we can have, uh, you know, set up a a time to meet up for coffee, to catch up. Um, And I, I even view this as like a coffee chat, you know, if you're worried about someone. And the key thing there is really, setting up private time. I'll say to them, hey, I, I set up this time with you because, um, because I care about you and I noticed that you might not be um, seeming like yourself. And this is not a, coming from a place of judgment, quite the opposite. I'm coming from a place of only because I care about you and I want to support you. And as your friend or as your colleague, I think I can do that best if I understand a little bit more about what might be might be happening in your life, if you are able to share with me. And so it's really, I mean, all of those words are really just a way of saying, I care and I want to check in. And some form of open-ended question that gets them talking um, about what's going on in their life, that's really the goal in setting up the conversation. Also laying out that it's a safe space and you're not there to judge. 
especially if it's a work relationship, you really want to say, this is purely because I care about you and I want to support you as a colleague. So it isn't really necessarily about, well, let's see what we can do to solve the problem or find out what's bothering you. It's really just to get the person talking. Having that person realize that you care about them, I think is, uh, is it's an amazing superpower that we all have. And, and it's something that we talk about in, in the trainings that we do and the education that we do. Uh, you know, it doesn't put, you know, it doesn't suicide, talking about suicide doesn't put the idea in anyone's head. It's quite the opposite. It's people say, my gosh, someone noticed, somebody cares. Christine, are there things not to say? I mean, you've sort of covered some, some general things, but are there, are there words not to use or phrases or expressions or just approaches that are, you know, perhaps not in the person's best interest? So I think, you know, things that, that can be less than helpful are trying to solve their problems, like we're saying, um, you know, presenting platitudes that kind of just frame it up like you've assessed it and, oh, well, that's just the blah, blah, blah. You know, those kinds of um, uh, ways that we tend to, as human beings, like to kind of tie things up neatly with a bow. Oftentimes what people are talking about are pretty complicated situations, complicated feelings. There's usually a history with, you know, um, that oftentimes the things we experience that are hard in life are on top of layers of other hard things or trauma. Um, you know, certainly if, if you're, you know, if you're someone who comes from a marginalized community or, um, or, or family generationally, oftentimes these experiences are very layered. And that's another thing when you're the helping person, you're the caring person having the conversation, having that sensitivity that you never know, number one, you never know what someone is going through. And number two, if they're telling you about it, you don't want to minimize it by assuming it's only about that work situation and ah, it's no big deal, it will solve itself. You really want to give it um, the attention and the care and concern and let them guide on, you know, um, the, the interpretation, the meaning, where it goes next. You know, I think the, the last thing I'll say is that if they are having a tone or using words or phrases that even hint at feeling like they think they're a burden to others, like they feel trapped or overwhelmed in their situation with no way out, um, a tone of hopelessness, those would all be indicators that there's a decent likelihood that they may be having thoughts of ending their own life. And that, those are signals to me that it's the appropriate um, moment to say, you know, when you, when you use the, that, that, those words, when you have, you know, you're, you're speaking with such a level of, of um, feeling overwhelmed that it makes me wonder if you might be having thoughts of ending your life. And that's the way I present the opportunity for them to share if they are having suicidal thoughts. and. Um, even though that might seem like a very scary thing to open up the, the conversation around, if you look at it this way, there's a certain percentage of people at any given time that are having suicidal thoughts in our daily lives, at work, at school, in our faith community. And by presenting them the opportunity to speak about what it is they have been experiencing, that you might be the only one who've asked, and you might be the first 
this conversation might be the first opportunity where they have to talk about it and, and being able to listen to them and say, that sounds so tough. I, I want to be here for you and I want to help you get the, the care and the support that you need. I'll be part of that. But, you know, when someone is having suicidal thoughts, that to me says it is time to take that, that person to a health professional, not necessarily in that minute, in that moment. Because remember, you know, in, let's say if we're talking about college students, or let's say we're talking about high school students, or even medical students, graduate students, it's between um, 6 and 20% of them that in any 30-day period are having thoughts of ending their life. So it's not as infrequent as we think. And, and what that means also is it doesn't mean that every moment, every time someone is having thoughts of suicide, that that's an, a crisis and an emergency and that they're thinking of acting on those thoughts right then. That is usually not the case. One of my takeaways from, from what you just said was that word suicide, using that word when it reaches, when it's elevated to the, to the level that you're really concerned about this person, you say, are you, are you thinking of taking your life? Are you thinking of suicide? That's important, isn't it? Yes, it, it really is. Talking about it allows this opening up of all of these options that were remaining kind of in that stuck, stigmatized place. Um, and it's also a myth that asking about suicidal thoughts, just like you mentioned, David, do harm to people. We know from at least four research studies that if someone is not having that level of struggle, it doesn't plant that that seed, if they are having thoughts of suicide, that it, it does, it's actually helpful and it doesn't make them more likely to act on them. With having these conversations, as you're listening, you're visualizing, how is this going to go? How am I going to kick this conversation off about somebody that I'm, that I'm concerned about? You can find out a little bit more. Talk away the dark dot afsp.org will give you some some examples of how these conversations go and why they're so important i'm so glad you mentioned uh, stigma christine it, it, you know again we started here it seems like we're all a little less stigmatized around talking about mental health these days still some work to do but we're better at it now than we were just a just a few years ago i i definitely think we are and um there are so many positive um conversations happening. It's not always being messaged in a way that is safe um, or perfect, but the overall trend is, is one of opening up. And that is a good thing. Paul, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the Healing Conversations program, which is an incredible longstanding program with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention that brings together those who have suffered a loss with others who have suffered a more recent loss. There is incredible power uh, in that. Uh, talk a little bit about the program, and, and uh, you mentioned it earlier, but why is it so important for both sides of, of that conversation? Healing Conversations is designed to, it's a peer-to-peer program where it's one person, a suicide survivor, a survivor of suicide loss, uh, talking with a, a survivor of suicide loss that, that may be early in their journey. And the, the power of connection for someone to speak with another individual who has experienced a similar loss. I, I mean, none of these losses, everyone's loss is different. Yet when someone can talk with another individual who has lost a spouse or a partner uh, or a child, uh, 
it's comforting for that new loss survivor to know that they're not alone and there are others that are out there. When we finish these discussions, when, when the conversations are over, uh, the, the comments we get back from the new loss survivor really glow of, boy, someone was there to hear me. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I got a chance to talk with someone else who had been through this. And it, it, from an outcome standpoint, we, we want to make certain that that new loss survivor you know, has the resources to continue their healing journey. The takeaway I, I, want, I want your listeners to understand is that the, we are here. We want to make certain that through this program that individuals are able to go to our website at AFSP.org and then click on the pane that says Get Help, which will allow them to go to the part of the website that says I've lost someone. And, and there, they can, there they can fill out the information that they need and send it to us and we can start, we can start the conversation. Healing Conversations, you can find out more about that program. You can find out more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, a national organization with chapters in all 50 states. There are resources, there are tools, there is all kinds of information, whether you are struggling or caring for someone who is, go to AFSP.org. You can also find out more about Talk Away the Dark, and that is talkawaythedark.afsp.org for a little bit more. I want to thank you both for being so generous with sharing your your, your personal stories and, and, and expertise and insights into this really, really important topic. It's, it's, it's a, a topic that often hides in the shadows, as we've discussed. The right thing to do is to step up, have the conversation, start the conversation, even if you don't have the answers, because you really can um, save a life and improve the quality of, of so many others. So Dr. Christine Moutier and Paul Agostiniak, thank you both for being with us on I'm Listening. Thanks so much, David and, and Paul. Always great to speak with you. Thank you very much, Christine. And, and David, thank you for the opportunity to allow us to show the other things that AFSP can do for uh, folks that are new loss survivors. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. For the full show and more stories like this, download the I'm Listening podcast on the Odyssey app or visit imlistening.org. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 